Monday, everyone, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. Subscribe to us wherever you, you listen. Mostly YouTube, please. Don't pirate this show, okay? I don't want to hear anybody <laughs> trying to get our show on uh, on some of those websites, right? Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you read the scoring criteria. You always hear about everybody getting the pirate uh, UFC feeds. Like, no, not, they're not doing pirate CSJ feed. We need all that sweet ad money. Yeah. Because you hear all these sweet ads during our show. Dan, how much money have we made on this show since we started four years ago? How much money have we made? Yeah. How much money have we made? Let's say, let's say counting all expenses in that, too. Oh, oh we're definitely negative 1100 maybe? Negative 1100 Okay. That sounds right. Yeah, about that. I'd buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, Don't give us money. <laughs> Dan, it's, uh, it's a busy week. Yeah. We had uh, not, not a crazy amount of rounds we're going to be talking about. It's, it's like a normal amount of rounds we're going to be talking about for UFC 298. But, I mean, things happen. This is a big eventful week. This was a good week. As far as uh, as far as the good happenings event. out in Anaheim, California. The happenings. The yeah. happenings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. That's what the kids say. Just look it up in Urban Dictionary. <laughs> we got a new champ, man. We do. We got another new champ, right? Mm-hmm. This is uh, this completes the co- the utter full turnaround in new champions in the last eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Not the our longest standing champion is now. Leon Edwards, who became the champ on August 20th, 2022. <laughs> Literally almost exactly a year and a half. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Pretty crazy. I Look, I it's not that you couldn't see Ilya Toporia beating Alexander Volkanovsky here. The odds were very close here. It was, this is the closest uh, odds that we had seen since Volkanovsky took over. Um, but having said that... Uh, I, I I really felt pretty decent as time went on during the week that we were going to see Volkanovsky get through Toporia. I thought maybe, okay, maybe this is a little bit of a step up. Maybe it's just a little too much. Volkanovsky looked very relaxed. He seemed like he was like, okay, I'm definitely going to get through that over 35 curse. Old man Volk is going to mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> and it very much did not happen, even though he won the first round. He did win the first one. Mm, on all cards. We're not going to be talking about that one. There's no contested round there. Um, but, man, this, that that was really impressive with, with Toporia. I, I think just, just the fact that he was able to get it exactly where he wanted to get Volk up against that cage. I, the, against the fence is bad news for Volk. He's got to stay off that. Yeah. He, Toporia was a savage. He was. Um, I the, the one thing that kind of, I don't know if it's troubling, but it's, it's confusing. Like he's Toporia sends all these messages out, like, "Oh, I'm gonna fight. I want to fight Conor McGregor in uh, the Real Madrid soccer stadium in in Spain." And he has no interest in any of these contenders. He's like down on the idea of fighting Volkanovski in an immediate rematch. He kind of he kind of lukewarmed up to it during the uh, the media availability after the win. It's kind of like, "Oh, he's a really nice guy. I like him. You know, maybe I'll have to give it to him." But he kind of seems like very ambivalent to. Fighting almost anyone next. So the question I have for you is, do you? what do you think about the fact that he just doesn't seem hungry to be like, all right, let's get in there and just get another guy out there. It seems like he's going to take his time with his reign, be a little a little more finicky. Well, he knows Max Holloway is waiting in the wing. Mm-hmm. Wind. But wind, he, doesn't even, want, he doesn't even think he should be fighting Max. Well, the, you know what? New champs do not get to decide who they fight. That 
You're told Dana, who you're Dana fighting. Dana said that too, basically. You're told who you're fighting, and that's who you're fighting when you're fighting. You're the champ. That's it. They line them up in front of you, you knock them down if you want to keep being the champ. Mm. That's how it is. I can't believe they rushed this UFC 300 announcement. Pajera Hill, fine fight, but I can improve that card so much. Oh, okay. This is You were talking about I, this yesterday. I didn't hear the uh, where this went. Well, how can you improve UFC 300? Easy. Okay. Bobby Green, find a new opponent. Jim Miller versus Justin Gaethje for the BMF title. Ah, yes. And now Max Holloway versus Ilya Toporia for the 45 title. There's your headliner. I don't see Toporia being as Very, willing as Volk was to uh, just step in real quick on short notice. It's not that quick. He's got like eight weeks. He's good. He's a champ. Get in there. They're not going to get to Spain any quicker. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to fight Max before he gets. He's, he can't sit out 18 months before. They finally get to Spain. So you think it should be Volk, uh, or excuse me, Holloway next? Holloway next. I mean, I know you. Let's pretend that maybe the UFC is going to decline your suggestion. They shouldn't, but go ahead. If they do that, and let's say whatever I guess happens with Holloway, because it's 155 pounds anyway, it's it's not really in the same ballpark here. Would you rather see Toporia against Holloway, or would you rather see the rematch of against Volkanovski? Now let let Volk. Let Folk recover. He got knocked out brutally twice in the past five months. Let his brain recover. But let's say, for example, so, that Ilya Zoporia doesn't want to fight until second half of the year. Still, hold off on Volk. Okay. I'm the other Let, way. I'm the other way on that. I think I think a dominant champion like Volkanovski, who did the UFC several favors over the years, especially in, in October, he is, taking that fight on, what, 13 days notice when he'd been drinking every day? This is, this is for Volk. Let, I, I don't got no issue with him getting another rematch for mm. his next fight. It doesn't have to be Taporia's next fight, though. I see. So you're you're thinking so, almost the same sort of setup as as we might see with uh, Israel Asanya, who's been out, and maybe he'll step in and get a title shot when he does decide I, to come back, even yeah. as the division moved on. I would rather Volk take a break. I don't I don't dislike so, that. Take sure. a break. Let the brain heal. Come back. In the meantime, we got Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega the second time. Whatever happens there. Maybe throws a wrench in things. But I think Max, with Volk losing, Max, how do you not put him there? Yeah. Max is the guy. The only other thing wrinkled to that is, what if Max Holloway goes in there and beats Justin Gaethje at 155 pounds? Who Justin Gaethje realistically ought to be fighting for 155 pounds next outside of Jim Miller. Right. I mean, I already, I already solved that problem. I understand. But, but what we're saying is, if, if, let's, let's pretend that's off the board. In a in a just world, wouldn't Justin Gaethje be fighting for the belt anyway? The, the 155 pound belt, I should say. Justin Gaethje should be fighting for 155. Right. Yeah. So if Max Holloway goes in there and beats him, why does he need to go down to 45 fight for the? He can fight for the 155 title. We've seen him at 55 though. Sure. He doesn't look great. Maybe not, but so maybe, uh, maybe now is the right time. And maybe that's what he preferred to do anyway. If that's what he prefers, sure. Mm-hmm. But then I guess Max jumps the line there. Not necessarily. He didn't really jump the line. He beat the guy. Yeah, yeah there's, of got, course, he, the he other the fight. Shot. He got the shot at the guy. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I don't know that him winning at 155 pounds over Justin Gaethje is the sign that he should go down to fight for the title. Although, although Islam and Max does intrigue me. Why is that? That's, I think it's I think it's just a tough fight for Islam. Okay. And I think Max Max does pretty well right. keeping it where he wants it. I guess we could so see how that would hold up, right? But Gaethje, Gaethje Islam is so intriguing, too. There's a lot of great fights out there. 155, 145, yeah. 135. It's all gravy, baby. Yeah, but, I'm with you. Uh, and you know what? We were going to talk about something else next, but I want to skip down because I mentioned 135. Murad Duvalish Wheelie. Mm. Uh, Duvalish I I need to say his name right. I've been saying it wrong. Duvalish Wheelie. The Vs are pronounced like... Uh, 
W's. All right. Yeah. That's what they've been saying on the broadcast. I'm going to start doing it because I, I owe it to the man. The man is uh, quite possibly the best bantamweight on the planet with or without a belt. What do you think about that? Is he is he the best 135-er over even Sean O'Malley? I don't know. And you know what? To, to throw some respect on his name, Patty or, uh, uh, Patchy Mix, too. Oh. Patchy Mix deserves to be mentioned. Patchy is really good. Yes. I know. I would say Patchy won, and then O'Malley, 2A, Mirab, 2B. I would say it like that. Okay. I think, I mean, I, I want to see, I mean, Mirab got cracked good by Cejudo. That's what O'Malley's known for, mm-hmm. being very precise. I got to see that fight happen before I make a decision on that. But I think I think Mix is, is top of both. Yeah, I think I can get behind the idea of Mix being the, the best 135 on the planet. I'm, mm-hmm. I would co-sign on that. But I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to actually put Mirab over Sean O'Malley. Mm. I mean, how many jackets does the guy have to take before you take him seriously? <laughs> yeah. I, I I just, I think, I think it's more of a kryptonite kind of thing. I think Dewalish Wheelie is going to be able to, when they do inevitably fight, whether it's in the next fight, if O'Malley does defend, or even if it doesn't happen, I, I see the two of them eventually meeting. And when they do, I do think that Wallace Wheelie's game is just such that it's going to work out differently than it did with Aljamain Sterling. I think he's going to be able to wear him down. I think he's going to be a little smarter. I think they will have learned from how things went in the Aljo fight. I think Wallace Wheelie will be uh, disciplined in his uh, strategy in that fight. So I I tend to favor him. So that's right. why I'm going to say that. But I, yeah, I, I do like the idea of putting Mix number one. I actually think he's just overall the most skilled at mm-hmm. 135 pounds he's very dangerous mm-hmm. against top competition and i think he can win the fight basically anywhere yep yeah i like that um one more of the bigger fights from the weekend that we got to talk about is robert whitaker getting the win over paulo costa i had it the other way i actually had costa winning totally could have gone the other way i had no problem with it you know being you know a, Ro- a robert whitaker win and I know that kind of went against the idea of what everybody was talking about, that it was like a good performance from Whitaker and everything like that. And I think he did have a good performance. You scored it for cost? I did. Oh, okay. I gave rounds one and three. All right. Now, I mean, I, 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 will, I have not gotten to watch round three again, which is a unanimous round for mm-hmm. Whitaker. And I think everyone, probably on social media, it seemed like everybody was on the the idea that Whitaker won that round. I saw the numbers. The numbers support Whitaker there, too. Not that the numbers have to be everything, but am I crazy, first off, for that? I got to remember what round three was now. That's all right. You know, don't, If you don't remember off the top of your head, I don't, don't want to waste time. But right. but uh, I don't know. I Again, I'm very open to the idea that could have gone the other way. I just kind of saw it that way. But this particular fight, and we will talk about the one split round from that fight in just a little bit. But here's what I'll ask you about Whitaker. This is the more pressing question. What are the odds... That he fights Dricus Duplessis for the championship before Adesanya decides he's ready to come back and get that fight. Well, I guess that's up to Adesanya. Sure. So, what what do you handicap it at? Uh, I would lean towards Whitaker fighting first. Really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know. I guess it depends when they need when they need somebody to fight in uh, in June. Maybe they're thinking they had they got to get somebody back in there. Speaking of June, I heard June first, the city of Newark allocated like five million dollars for a UFC pay per view. Is that right? I did. I heard I that was like on one of those fight news tweets. Oh, well, Reg- related to New Jersey. Unless, unless you could tell me so where it's from, know. I will. I will just call it shenanigans. I'll find it. All right, but I, it, it was like it was a legit source, like part of that 
like city media type. Thing. Let, let me ask you this: Was it written in giant yellow block letters? No, it wasn't one of those. <sighs> then I can't take it seriously <laughs> because those are the only things that are true, right? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I do, I do think Adesanya will get back in time for that fight, I th- and I think it would be a major fumble of the of the ball here because there is some juice behind the idea of Adesanya Duplessis fighting. Whereas a third Whitaker and Adesanya fight potentially happening down the road. It's like some people talked about it after the second fight. Like, oh, Whitaker looked good. They should get it. He should get a third chance. I'm like, man, he looked okay. But like he didn't win that fight. And I don't know that he should be doing that. You know, the only question is, hey, because it's Duplessis who beat Whitaker. Are they willing to allow that to happen as quickly? That's what I, I, that's that's, what I, that's where I started. That thinking. is the <laughs> one hang up there. So. But do they want to hold up that division? They, I mean, they're going to use a lot of championship fights in the in, in the next couple months. They're going to have to put somebody out there. Real quick, I want to get back to this. What ah, you're talking about real quick. Which, but, oh, Newark? Uh, yeah, it was Nolan King, so very respected. Uh, Who's Nolan there, King? That uh, that reported that. Sounds like a fake name. Which he got from NorthJersey.com. That sounds like a fake name. Now Nolan back, King. Yeah. Now back to Israel Adesanya. Shout out Nolan. I love you. He should take and learn from what Henry Cejudo did. Retiring in the prime of his career, going away for three years, coming back, and not being able to compete at the same level that he was at. Who's this we're talking about? Adesanya. Adesanya. He should learn from Cejudo. Not go that long, yeah. And not go that, and just bring it back if this is what he wants to do. Otherwise, hang it up for good. Listen, that was a little different, though, because uh, Cejudo just felt like he had conquered and he was done, right? He just still he didn't care enough. Whereas Adesanya fought for a long time. Finally did lose for you know, the second time. And this one had a lot less like juice behind it, too. It was kind of a weirder thing. And you could feel there was probably a sense of burnout rather than like, oh, I'm just picking a time when, when I want to go out on top kind of thing. It didn't feel like it was like the wrong time to take a break. You know what I mean? And also, it wasn't a permanent break. He, he is not saying he's done for good. How many people not named John Jones take an extended period comeback better? I don't know that John Jones came back better either. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah? He did. You got that from 75 seconds against a guy who could out-wrestle with his eyes closed and probably 30 pounds ago? Oh, now we're just throwing gone under the bus like that. His we're wrestling. rid of him like that. Did you watch his wrestling just, against Francis Tired and Ganu? We're just throwing. Like, at, at that point, everyone was like, oh, Gon's the, Gon's the better fight. Gon's the better fight than Francis at the time. And then he d- demolished him. I never thought that, first off. A lot of people did. Well, I'm not a lot of people. A lot of people I'm did. I'm me. Most people should be me. <laughs> um, one more thing before we start starting again is the unanimity report and all these rounds. I can't say unanimity. Unanimity. Is there was some UFC Hall of Fame news? They announced the addition, the upcoming addition of Vandalay Silva. It's funny because they announced it as one of the most intimidating guys, and I'm like, that's got to be Vandalay. Like, who else? Who else are you gonna describe as that? And then, sure enough, boom. Chalk one up for me. Yeah, good job. Thank you. Well, well, well played. Um, and then cue the standstorm. Yes, that kind of that kind of gave it away a bit too. <laughs> <laughs> Although he don't, I guess John Anik had already said who it was at that point, right? But um, yeah, obviously well deserved. I mean, he's he was probably like outside of Fedor, which obviously has more complications because he never fought in the UFC proper mm. um, during his time in in the sport. And there's so many complications with that beyond just that fact, right? Um, because of the the playing favorites and the whole thing, you gotta ingratiate yourself in that kind of thing, right? Vanderlei Silva was easily the biggest glaring hole of the UFC Hall of Fame outside of fighters who have not retired yet. 
Mm. You know, he was the one who needed to be there. So that that solved a, a, a longstanding issue. I don't remember what the, the details were. I don't remember if it was kind of like a there was some animosity there. Whatever it is, they've solved it or they've they've gotten to the point where he's here. And I'm happy about that. My question, sir, now that he's in, which retired fighter should be next? Well, for an individual accolade, I'm also going to clarify yeah, that. I'm with you. Because um, I, you put the fights in there, fine, whatever. That's not the same thing. Duo Choi would never, in a million years, be a UFC Hall of Famer had he not been in a really banger fight with Cub Sonson, who also would not be in the Hall of Fame otherwise. So my pick, I was looking. At, I I share a first name with this guy. Daniel Cormier is in. <laughs> as much as Dan Miller deserves to be in there, <laughs> sir. Um, my pick is Dan Henderson. It should be Dan Henderson. As the next one. That's who I was saying as well. That is easily who I was saying as my next choice. So, it's hard to think, like, who else, who was not. And I, I'm so confused by the modern wing and the pioneer wing because I'm like, GSP was the champ the same exact time that Anderson was the champ. Why is Anderson under a pioneer wing and why is GSP under a modern wing over some arbitrary date that they set? I think it's the idea of when, when their careers began yeah, that's or something what it is. like it's, that. Yeah. It's weird. I get it. I, I Look, I get it. It's just – it doesn't even matter anyway. At some point, they're going to stop putting pioneers in because they're going to run out of them. <laughs> they're, we're getting closer to that day than you think. Basically, you put in Dan Henderson, if they ever find the, the way to put Fedor in somehow, and like Takanori Gomi. Those are like the three guys that, off the top of my head, they're probably the ones who would belong in that pioneer wing. I was like, does Crow Crop belong there? <sighs> Maybe. He just, he flamed out so spectacularly in the UFC and, and really just kind of changed his legacy in a lot of people's minds who did not watch the Pride Era. I I didn't experience the Pride Era, but I went back and watched the Pride Era, and I yeah. appreciate what he brought to the table. Um, I'm guessing Arlovsky will be in there at some point. <sighs> I'm ambivalent to that one. Like, I know I don't want to litigate everybody right now. We got other things we can do, but um, yeah, I, I feel like those three that I that I named, maybe Shogun too, if you want to put him in there, mm -hmm. he'd probably be from the Pioneer Wing technically. Mm -hmm. If the if the if the cutoff is, um, I mean I don't know what the cutoff is. Maybe maybe he actually is. Like, I have like no, no idea. November seventeenth, two thousand. I think he actually started his career there after. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, that might be. Either way, put Shogun in too. He mm -hmm. should be in. Just just put in all of Pride. No Everything, the entirety of Pride just goes in. Yeah, I yeah, know. that's like the only way Fedor gets in, really. Bob Sap. Yeah, Bob Sap, definitely, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Let's let's get over to that unanimity report. Mm. Boom, nailed it. One take, not counting all the billion other ones. Uh, Nineteen out of twenty-six rounds from UFC two ninety-eight were unanimous. Seventy-three point one percent, solid. That's no, that's a pretty normal number. Maybe a little bit better than usual. Um, we had one of our rounds being a 9-8 split. So we're only talking about six instances of who won the round. Let's get over to that fight I mentioned before. Robert Whitaker getting the win over Paulo Costa. It was 29-28 twice and a 30-27. I was the out non-judge who gave it 29-28 the other way. You want to throw tomatoes at me? Whatever. That's fine. Um, but let's talk about round one. This is the one that actually was split on the actual judges' cards. Dan, what's happening? Yeah, this is a pretty competitive round early on. Uh, but as it goes on, Whitaker starts to pull away a bit. Uh, he was good with the combo set ahead, good leg kicks. Costa did keep pace for a while, as I said, landed some good shots of his own. But, you know, definitely behind uh, as the round goes on. And he's probably on his way to losing a, a close but clear round. And then 10 seconds left, he lands a spinning heel kick that wobbles Whitaker. Follows up with a little bit of a flurry. 
I think Costa steals it at the end with this kick, in a, especially in a competitive round like this. Whitaker kept throwing uh, back. He After he was stumbled, seemed to regain himself pretty quickly. Uh, I don't have an issue if someone scored it for Whitaker, especially if you don't see him stumble because it was such a brief stumble. Maybe you don't have that vantage point of it to see exactly how effective that that, that strike was that landed. But I, I like it for Costa 10-9. It really does seem to have come down to how heavily you're weighing that one singular strike in that round where things did happen, but it wasn't like the most insane of busy rounds, you know? It's tricky. I I can only imagine it's that strike, right? Could it be anything else, really? This strike is what switches yeah. because it's it it's um it's pretty clear that Whitaker's winning this and round. how much it weighs. Until yeah, that. yeah. I I I felt really good about Whitaker, and then, and even that landed. I was like, man, what do I do here? And I did put <laughs> down Costa, um, ultimately because again, I gave him every single. I gave him four rounds out of three. <laughs> no, no. Um, I I think it's fine to, that it that it did go the other way because we're we're talking about a very you know, tricky dilemma here. What do you do? Especially that information, you have to process that very quickly too. Mm-hmm. That's a very difficult thing, I think, for a judge, I would have to imagine, is to mm-hmm. try and process, all right, what do you do with that information over those last 10 seconds? You've got to sort that out. What is too reactionary? What is too, you know, because you don't get the benefit of uh, watching no thereafter, right? You're not nope. supposed to, yeah. Uh, you got to get that, no, that scoring quick. I had no problem with it. I had a problem with Mike Bell here, giving it to Whitaker. I like you had it for Costa, so we saw it in the majority. Judges Ron McCarthy and Elliot Kelly. And uh, keep that name in mind. He's going to come up again. He's, <laughs> he's all over the show. It's the Elliot Kelly show, pretty much. <laughs> Not every round, but he'll be hearing it. Uh, anything else on this one? Anything else on this one, Mr. Coffee over there? No, I think uh, I think this is good. I mean, I'm, I'm probably I'm going to reference this one again. You are later okay. on. All right, I like that. Now. I like that. A little callback. Yeah, little little uh, bring everything together. Um, yeah, let's move on to the only split decision actually of the night, and this had two of our rounds from the evening. Two out of the three that actually, well, four actually happened on the main card. Right, we were kind of mostly flying through the prelims. Um, but yeah, that would be an Ian Gary, Ian Machado Gary. Excuse me, got the win over Jeff Neal. Two 30-27s for the winner, Machado Gary. And then a 29-28 the other way for Jeff Neal. So, one judge, Derek Cleary, seeing both rounds, one and two, the other way. Judges Felicia O and Sal D'Amato had these for Machado Gary. Let's talk about round one, my man. Kind of a slow round. Neither guy really landed very clean. Uh, A lot of block shots, not a ton of volume. Neil did have uh, one nice, solid shot that pressed Gary back to the fence. But on the whole, I think the shots that Gary landed were a bit more cleaner. Good kicks to the body. Had a nice knee up the middle, followed by another punch. Eileen Gary in probably the closest round of the fight. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is definitely the closest of the rounds. Um, I did go the other way, actually, in this one. Um, all I see is losers winning this these these fights, apparently. If you think if the if the guy got his hand raised, I thought the other guy won something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're really at here. Um You can have a debate with your buddy uh uh Eric Richter. He had a strong opinion on this on this round. Who's Eric Richter? From the New York Post. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I talk to him every week. Um yeah, so I didn't feel that strongly, to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I thought this was very close. I think you could certainly go the other way for Machado Gary, but I did have Neil here. Um, so I, I leaned the same way as just Cleary, the 2023 Couchside Judges Judge of the Year. All right. That's fair. Or excuse me, no. Scott Fontana of the Cash <laughs> Judges of the Year, because we don't we don't do a unanimous one, do we? Um, man, that'd be hard. We would just sit there and fight over it. We just yell at each other. It would just be we just have co judges every year. It's all it'd be. Yeah. 
Everybody loves to yell. Um, yeah, like like we said, judges O and D'Amato had it the same way as you for Machado Gary. But yeah, we're not we're not throwing tomatoes here at each other, right? No. Nah, round two, let's go. Uh, another close round. I think Gary starts really well. I think he kind of you know pulls away a little bit, get, gets a nice lead. Um, as the round goes on, Neil starts to find uh, his range there, and he's landed some good ones uh, to make it very close and competitive. I just think Gary held on to the lead. So ten nine for Machado Gary. Yeah, I had Machado Gary too. Uh, as we know, as I just said three seconds ago, Derek Cleary is the worst judge of all time. <laughs> oh wait, that's not what I said at all. Not even close. Um, yeah. So I again, I could see why this mm-hmm. goes the other way. It's funny because clearly his corner did not think he was in great shape here. Oh, Neil's corner. Yeah. Am I thinking of the right fight? Things are different at cage side. Yeah, sure. Things are so. I different. think they probably just wanted more from him, right? It's, you know, it's what? not necessarily that he's losing the fight; it's that they're they're looking for things that he's not doing. So this this is a, you know how much of a I I can't stand you know third round starts. And the fighters hug each other. <laughs> or that mid- is your favorite or, thing. Or the mid-fight, they're you know high-fiving each other, which they did this the entire fight. Oh my god, yeah, the, the, that was they a little landed, weird. They kept giving high fives to each other. And it's like we're not sparring, guys. You are adversaries trying to kill each other. And I think that's that may be some of what the corner was going for. You're giving him too much respect. You're trying to kill this guy. Go fight him. Do you, you think? Th- do you think that that's a tactic from Machado Gary, who thinks he's probably doing well, and he's like, "Hey, let's let's just kind of stall here." You know what? He he drives me nuts because he wants the comparison to Conor McGregor so bad, and it's just not there. So does Toporia, to be fair. Toporia's finishing guys though. Yeah, no, and he actually right. has a belt. Now he does. So that's true. Gary, though he said he had a belt a few days ago too. That's true. Too. He gave himself yeah. fifteen and zero during fight week. All right. Well. <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> but Machado Gary, if you're going to be Conor McGregor, be Conor McGregor. You, I've never seen Conor McGregor give someone a high five in the middle of a fight outside the start of a round. Did he even do for that? I don't remember. Con- I don't good, distinctly remember. I, I, I can never picture him or even imagining him doing that. Okay. Like, if you want to be Conor, start going out and never finishing, guys. Be Conor. There are other ways to be Conor, other too. Other ways outside of just They're usually talking. illegal. <laughs> yeah. Or costly. <laughs> uh, as Dan just coughs up a lung here. Just want to clear my throat. Is that the way we... <laughs> throat. Is that the way we, we close out every fight? I think we're done here in this one. I think we're done on this yeah, one. Yeah, we're done on this one. Um, let's move on to... We're going on the prelims here. Oban Elliott. Get the win over Val Woodburn. 30-27 twice and a 29-28. The result of the fight was not in doubt once we got to the end. But there was... There were some eyebrows raised by the score of round one. Let's let's talk about round one and how we got there first. Okay. Elliot lands a head kick that Woodburn just eats, mm-hmm. doesn't even respond to, cracks uh, Elliot with a left, drops him, rocks him a little bit. He swarms, but Elliot's really never in that bad of danger. He's never that hurt. He's able to get a, t- a, t- a takedown, has his wits about him, quickly on the back where he spends the next... 345 on the ground, most of it on the back, landing punches, attacking uh, chokes, ends the round in mount, postured up. And he's elbows. really heating it up at that at that point in the round, too. It's it's yes. actually like sort of steady built to better offense as it got later. Yes. He he starts dropping the elbows, slam dunk Elliott 10-9 round here. You think it's a total it, slam dunk? I'm just, I, think I, just... a, I think it's a total slam dunk. I want to say this. I want to say I was probably closer to... 10-8 Elliot than I was 10-9 Woodburn. 
Ooh. I wasn't close to the eight, but I'm closer in, in comparison there. You cannot judge a round based on who had the highest spot. And Woodburn just Alone. had one spot. That's it. He had nothing else. He was dominated the rest of the entirety of the round. And and I this is a slam dunk Elliot 10-9. So there's two fronts I'll address. Number one, I am closer to Woodburn than I am 10-8 Elliot. Okay. That doesn't really matter though, because Yes, I see. I see this as an Owen Elliott round as well, and pretty clear. I, I would say pretty clear. Although, again, it does get very complicated because it depends how hurt he looks to the judge from that angle, right? What are we seeing, and how much is he seeing of what's landing, and like how much is he viewing some of that landing, right? It's a tough thing. I don't think a great score is Woodburn here. If if all we're going to say is, yes, that happened in the first, what, 30, 35 seconds of the fight, mm-hmm. and he was hurt for, what, 15 seconds of that, Elliot, with Woodburn in control at that point because he'd hurt him. Yeah, that doesn't, that's, I don't want to say it's lazy if that's what, it, I mean, if that's all it is, then that is lazy. But I imagine it's more complicated than that, which is the reason, uh, for the reasoning being why Elliot Kelly the judge, no, no relation to Oban Elliot because that's a first name and a last name. Notably, Judge Elliot Kelly spells his first name with one T. I saw that there was a rivalry there online. Somebody was talking about that. That's obviously made up, but um, I, I have to favor Oban Elliot here. I think it's got to be him. And I think Judges Mike Bell. And Judge Crippler, Chris Lieben, they, uh, I, I think they're in the right here. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. You're sitting cage side. Maybe you don't have the greatest view, seeing how hurt he actually is. Or it can look differently oh. how hurt he is, how much he oh. hurts. <laughs> oh, Elliot. What burn? Oh, you're coughing. We're going to wrap does, this up, huh? Does nothing the rest of the round. You're right. No, 100%. 100%. He does absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. We, the full five minutes of the round matter. Yeah, not just one one moment of it. No, I'm I'm with you. And now I said I was going to call back the other thing. Okay. In a in a close round like we had with Whitaker and Costa, the highest spot a lot of times is going to sway it very often. But this was not anywhere remotely close to a competitive round. It gets tricky though, and and I'll say this, I because it's going to depend on a judge's interpretation of you know weighing the most impactful versus you know cumulative damage, right? Sure. Immediately impactful versus cumulative. It, it's there's no definitive answer in in those three and a half pages that we tell everybody to read at the top of the show. It's very open to interpretation. I don't know how you f- could truly fix something like that with the wording. I think you probably could improve it a little bit, but there's still going to be situations where a judge could justifiably sit there and say, "Listen, that was the most impactful thing. I thought he was really out. I think it's too hard to come back from that." I disagree. I'll sit here and disagree, but I don't, it, it is hard for me to say that that is an absolutely wrong score. You want to add this to, to our list for the year? I do. I'm okay with that. I do. I, I don't know if I'm going to agree with you or not. I might, maybe I'll get, maybe revisiting it near the end of the year. It'll start to look, all right, this is a little bad, but you know, sometimes your understanding of these things can change over time. I don't imagine that was a very well-liked score, but I, I could sort of get why we get Listen, there. I can, That's where I'm at. I can... I think he has a defense. He can say, hey, this guy was hurt very bad, super damaged. But that's big all damage. that matters. You just have to be able to defend it. But does it have to be a good defense? I mean, it should be a better it, defense. It sure, should be but, better than that, but it can be defended. I would think this is probably an example of a round that maybe could be highlighted in like training or something like that, right? This is this would be like a like a high-level judge training kind of thing but where he, they should pr- trot around like, a, uh, like this out and say, who's supposed to win this round? 
I mean, I, I and then at least again. come up with a definition for that for people watching and say, look, there's no question who had the highest spot here. But is that enough to win the round alone? And that's where where the judges need to kind of get on the same page and the uh, uh, the regulars need to get on the same page of what they really want to see in a situation like that because the the language of the criteria isn't going to define it for you, not exactly. And that's where it gets tricky. Also, I want to say I watched it a, a second time just to see how badly. This, okay, this I've only watched was. it once. I will say that. I, he's and not, I didn't watch it live. I should point out he's not that hurt. He's I didn't rocked. think he was hyper hurt. He's I really rocked, didn't. But he's, I didn't think he was hyper. I hurt. think Mackenzie Dern was hurt worse. I think Mackenzie so, Turn looked like she wanted to be out of that fight for just a split second. Yeah, I think yeah, there that's was what a, it looked like. Yeah, there was a point. In, yeah, you bring up that fight, Mackenzie Dern against uh, Amanda Lemos. Uh, that fight looked like was was that Mike uh, Mike Beltran was the ref, I believe, on that one. Yeah, yeah, it looked like when she crumples to the ground and she kind of covers her face up. Yeah, that was not like a I'm defending myself kind of thing. That's like a oh no, I'm really hurt kind of thing. That was Johnny Walker falling back last. It month. was bad. It was bad. Same similar and. and I don't, you know, some people will talk about like, is there a trigger that gets pulled a little quicker in a women's? I know we're on a tangent here. We're 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 off on a little bit of a tangent away from Open Elliot against Val Wardburn, but I think I think you're right to that we should bring this up and discuss this. Mm. Um, Mike Beltran, a couple years ago, he stops the fight between Juliana Velasquez and Liz Carmouche. Took some criticism for that one. Mm. I I think justifiably too. I think we were probably a little critical of that as well mm. at that point and. I don't think there's, we're necessarily assigning this type of thing to uh, referee Beltran specifically, but the idea that there could be a trigger that gets pulled a little quicker with women's fights in general, with some evidence, not not consistent evidence, but certainly something where you see it. This same referee, in this scenario, lets the fight go, where realistically, I'm saying you stop it. I think you stop it. There. Oh, the, if anyone stopped the fight there, it would have been totally there's fine. O- it's, it's only a moment, right? There's, there's like, there's like a, a good, like... Under two seconds where you think, okay, man, this this woman looks like she doesn't want to fight anymore. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she gets back into it. She very much wants to continue fighting. Like, yeah. she's she is not looking for a way out. She's not like that. But she was hurt in that moment. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she reacted that way, Mackenzie Dern did in that moment, knowing the way she is, the dog she is when she gets in there, that she acted that way tells me she did not need to be in that fight anymore. Mm. But credit to her. And credit to, to referee Beltran for letting that go because obviously she was able to continue. I don't think she was like hyper concussed necessarily. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but um, it is it is tricky. We're uh, obviously that's a gigantic tangent that we're away from uh, Oban Elliott and Val Woodburn, right? Mm-hmm. But although uh, I'm not, I don't want to I don't want to pile on on Elliott Kelly. I just I just, just want to say that. How do you feel about one T and Elliott? It makes it tougher to. Now you always want to go for the double tap. I'm very much a two T guy as a, as a Scott with two T's always bothered me that Scott Pollard, the NBA player who just got a heart transplant. Good for him. Happy for him him there. Um, did not like that. He went by one T not a fan. Scott Skiles at one time, one T guy, two T's. He's a two T Scott T the, the, uh, the all time single game (laughs) record holder for assists in NBA history. Mm. Two T's. Okay. That's the way it goes. Also, Scotty is okay. And you can do I E or Y your guy, Scotty Barnes. I love Scotty Barnes. There you go. He's the second Scotty in NBA history to be an (laughs) all-star next to that's fact. Pippen, I guess my dad used to call me Scotty when I was a kid. He was like one of the only ones who ever did. Well, Scotty doesn't know a song. Scotty doesn't know was a song. I mean, it was a satirical song from from uh, Eurotrip. My friends would 
joke with me about uh, it before I'd seen the movie and then I saw it. I mean, we're on all sorts of tangents here. I think let's you coughed like 10 minutes ago. We got to wrap up this fight and go over to Miranda Maverick against Andrea Lee, which was uh, unanimous nod 30, 27 twice for Maverick. Uh, 29, 28 was on one of the cards. We're only talking about round three. No one was doubting who was going to win this fight. Oh, the real estate. There was there was some closeness to the rounds, right? Mm-hmm. I, I guess the way to say no one was doubting it. I really mean that the judges knew who was going to win <laughs> pretty much, or at least individual judges knew who was winning on their card. Right. So let's talk about three though. We don't need to get into every other round. Let's talk about three. Maverick was looking really good on the feet. Kicks, mm-hmm. combos to the head, just cruising to victory. Really? As you mentioned, mm. uh, Lee didn't really land much of substance until she lands a spinning back fist late in the round, which Ma- Maverick was like, you could tell she's like, do I keep standing or should I just take her down? And then she's like, let me just take her down, run the clock out here. Uh, but then she gets locked in a reverse triangle. Uh, it just really wasn't there. She ate a couple decent shots. Uh, wasn't enough for me, but I- I'm okay if someone scored it for Lee. So yeah, I had Maverick too. And I think when I watched it, I probably slept a little too much on that spinning back fist because I think if I'd mm. given a little more thought to it. And, you know, I try to go with the score that I put down, right? Mm. A judge would do that. And then maybe they regret it later. So I'm in that situation. I'm going to try and treat it that way where I put down one card and I kind of regret it later because of that spinning back fist in particular. Less about the the grappling there. Although it's tricky. What are you supposed to do with all of that grappling, which doesn't look distinctly close to any sort of finish, which is the, you know, the actual effect of the um the actions. Right. But then there's also the fact that, I mean, Miranda Maverick is definitely not doing what she wants to over that time she's eating some elbows she's eating some strikes it's not a good spot no i it's tricky it feels not defined enough in the criteria i agree but that's where i feel that that is an issue there which is why i feel completely fine especially with ron mccarthy giving that to lee and and again i I think i almost have some buyer's remorse i think i would even go lee but more, again, for that spinning back fist. Well, yeah, the back fist is, is the spot. I think I just slept on it a little too much, I think, to be perfectly honest. I think we can get there if if Lee... I think I get there if Lee's not punching the triceps of Maverick. Yeah. And actually landing on the head when she has her stuck in the triangle. Fair. I, I could get there. That's fair. Um. Absolutely. Yeah. It's. I think I think it's fine going either way. I got no issue. Yeah. Um, but, but ultimately I'll go, I will just stick with the, the score that I wrote down just for the official sake, right? The one I posted online as I was scoring live when I watched this, this was, I watched, I was like here and there with, with my ability to score yeah, fights live. Early. Yeah. Well, I, I tune in. I, it's always on my TV. I need you to understand something. I don't turn off UFC every single week. It's on. I will sometimes step out to say goodnight to my children. And mm. like, I will miss parts of fights and sometimes it's heavyweights. And I'm very happy for that. Um, sometimes I get very lucky in that respect, <laughs> but I'm always, it's always on and I'm always watching first fight round one. This one, I was actually able to sit and score the first fight, which I don't always, then sometimes I have to step away. I've got some other work that I'm doing on my Saturdays. I don't, I always get to devote all my attention directly to watching close enough to score enough. Not doing that. I can't score it. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. You can't say, especially me who tries to at least purport that he knows something about the criteria. I don't, I don't claim to be an expert but at least i know i think i know more than uh let's say the average media member in the mixed martial arts community i would say put you in a room with 10 random people from the sport mm-hmm. and you're number one in understanding the criteria all right not including officials obviously yeah we're talking about media members i get it and um, that includes fighters media members coaches oh is that right i would i would put you up against knowing 
the criteria. Boom. Throwing a left hook on that one. Uh, I had to throw my right hand. <laughs> Good thing we're not video. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm coughing now. Um, I don't remember where we were going with that. I'm, I'm like so far away from what we it's were talking time, about. It's time for the heavyweights. It's now. probably time to move on. Yeah, I think we, we've kind of dis- – I, I should also just point out, we agreed as judges with – um as couchside judges, with the real judges, Raphael Davis and Felicia O. Ron McCarthy was the judge technically on his island who I'm jealous that I wasn't on that island. Were there parties on the island? Uh, probably not. Oh. I don't I don't believe Andrea Lee is having the type of parties that I want to attend. Okay. I, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> there are two more rounds. Let's, let's go on. Like you said, the heavyweights, Marcos Ogeria de Lima getting the win over Junior Taffa. Round two TKO, leg kicks, and some punches in there, too. I also want to give a shout-out before we get into this. I believe it was Craig Allen. I want to give him a shout-out here because if I'm right that it was Craig, he tweeted out at the beginning of this or right before that Junior Taffa's kryptonite is essentially the uh, the leg kicks and that he, this is just like a terrible matchup for him. Wow. And what happens? Yeah. This happens. He said this before the fight started. And that stuck with me. I'm like, good God, like I didn't do that much homework on this one, to be fair, especially because it was put together so late and also because it's heavyweights and I hope I never have to watch them, <laughs> like really sit and watch them. But <laughs> or unless it was, you know, a 10 second knockout, that'd be fun. This wasn't so bad. It was interesting to watch this particular fight. Um, but credit to Craig Allen. Great, great job. on Great read on that one. Great analysis ahead of time. Round one was a split round. Let's talk about why. Uh, they lean a landing low kicks early, like you mentioned. Mm hmm. Lands a huge left up top that, you know, kind of stuns uh, Taffa slightly. About his fifth or sixth low kick, Taffa is struggling to stand up. It's like, oh, my uh, God. He was already in trouble my in the leg, first one. <laughs> my leg is done. Um, and De Lima does what we were all rooting for. Uh, he clinches. Um, once they separate. Love me some heavyweight clinching. Lands another good leg kick, then unloads a barrage of body and head shots against the fence. And he shoots another takedown, which he gets almost at the exact halfway point through the round. Uh, from here, he lands good ground and pound for the rest of the round. I do think we got dominance. I think we got damage. I think this is an eight. I mean, I could, I get, I understand the pushback from someone scoring at a nine saying, I mean, he didn't really push for that finish, but I think uh, Elliot Kelly nailed it here. I think this is an eight. There's no duration because it's, it's very single strike a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, the extended periods where it was on the ground, in the grappling phase, it wasn't necessarily like heavily active mm. down there. So you can absolutely wipe away duration. And that's why we started to have the debate here. Cause we're only talking about two D's potentially. Right. And yes, damage is definitely yeah. there. The legs, the leg is chewed to heck. You can't, you can't deny the high level of damage that has been done to that leg. And I do think, yes, the duration, like you said, I think it's there because the dominance. Me. D- 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 yeah, excuse me. It's, it's late. <laughs> it's always late. We don't do these at two in the afternoon, sir. Yeah, <laughs> we don't. Dan checks the clock. Um, I I think you have to give dominance here. I, I think even though I believe it was Joe Rogan or was it Michael Bisping said, oh, yeah, definitely Junior Taffa is the better striker because of his, you know, glory kickboxing background. They were talking. They were talking about comparing him to his brother, Justin, mm-hmm. with that. Not. Oh, the, the better striker of not the to two Lee, brothers. Yeah. I see. That makes much more sense because I was going to say we didn't see anything close to that manifest (laughs) in this fight. We saw somebody who didn't understand how to not get kicked in the leg. Mm -hmm. And we saw somebody who understood how to kick someone in the leg hard and repeatedly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think I think you've got dominance in the striking. 
I think you definitely have the damage. So I feel good enough. Those oh. are some good Ds. I'm going to go 10-8. Also, I think the only strike Tafa lands is a punch from his butt while he's being thrown down. A punch from his butt. Now that is where yeah. the fist comes out of the, yeah. the, the rectum, correct? Yeah, like he's sitting on his, he's sitting down, and, and the, he and the he fist just fist comes throws out, throws a punch, reverses. Yeah, anyway, like so, very little offense from the other side. Yeah, a lot of damage and, and dominance from the other side. I like an eight here. I like an eight. Elliot too. Kelly, I'm with you. Elliot Kelly, I told you this is the Elliot Kelly show. So we've gone from not seeing it his way to having him being around. It was like okay, we had him in the in the, the majority on that one too. This is him out on his own, and we see it his way. We were against judges Felicia O. And Raphael Davis. But again, we're only talking about two Ds. So at that point, it's very discretionary. It's not like it has to be uh, the eight. But we like the eight. What does that mean for Judge Elliot Kelly? Catch that over. There you go. Got to ship that one out to California. Totally redeems himself. Watch your mail. <laughs> Keep watching. Just just watch forever. <laughs> just waste your time. <laughs> one more fight, my man. Anthony Hernandez getting the win over Roman Kopalov. Kopilov, right? Kopilov, mm-hmm. Kopilov? Kopilov, a.k.a. Russian Chase Hooper. <laughs> uh, round two submission. Rear naked choke is our finish. We did have a split round in the first. Let's talk about it. Good round. Uh, I good thought Kopilov really landed crisp shots, but Hernandez landed uh, pretty good as well. And I think more. He punches way in to you know get the clinches that he wants, go for the takedowns. Co- credit to Kopilov, defended a, a ton of them. Um Towards the end of the round, he landed a nice elbow uh, when they broke uh, from the clinch there. I think in the second half is where Hernandez takes the edge on volume, but not by much. Like I said, Kopilov had some decent uh, offense early. It's just he didn't land that many. Good kicks to the body, good punches to the head. Just not not enough for me. I thought Hernandez wins it. 10-9. Same. I don't really have a ton that I can add to that one. I think we belabored so many of these points. So um, I, I, You broke it down well enough. I'm on Hernandez. Close round. Um, so we agree with, uh, and the majority with judges Crippler and Cleary. Judge Crippler and Cleary. Judge Crippler. We were not on the same page as Judge Saldamano. Sorry, Mr. Right, it was close. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> Saldamano again. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and that is it for our contested rounds this week. We did have five finishes. Four of them by KO or TKO. Remember last year where it was like there was subs aplenty throughout like the mm-hmm. first few events? We're not really seeing that happen again. We're kind of back to the the typical knockouts are, are really taking over. The one submission, of course, in that fight we just talked about, and one fight did end in the first round. Of all these five finishes, my friend, what was your favorite? Uh, the fight we just talked about. What a stunner. Fluffy choking out Kapilov, but not for the reason because it was the only sub. Oh, it was because I thought that was actually it. It brought me back to Nate Diaz with a fully locked-in triangle and two fingers. Two middle fingers and a, 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 a locked in, uh, fully locked in triangle. The way once I haven't seen that since Fluffy locks in the choke and he's like, "Yep, it's over." He just starts nodding, just waiting for the tap, mm. and that's why I'm there. It was a good visual, I'll give you that, and a good win. He's he's he is impressive because Kopilov, I think, is somebody they they kind of were hoping was able to take off a little bit. Mm. I don't know that he was necessarily going to be a star, but it seemed like he was kind of, he's getting some, some noteworthy placements on cards and things like that. Whereas Anthony Hernandez just keeps knocking people off. He's just, he, it's like they were saying in the broadcast, he just wins, <laughs> you know, he, he's impressive and easy to root for. Yeah. And your uh, favorite, you, you gotta go with El Matador. You gotta go with the new champion, Ilya Toporia. When you, when you knock out a guy who's never lost at his weight class and has been the champion for four years running, 
Mm. I don't care if he's coming off of another knockout. Very impressive stuff. Uh, just destroyed him with that right hook. Yeah. Kind of, you My know, goodness. had got him in the, in the right spot up against the cage. He, he, you know, he posted his hand just for just for distance and boom, cracked it mm. uh, with the right hook. And, and old man Volk he went down. Mm. Godspeed, old man Volk. I, I, I will say. He is my, and he's not going away. I mean, for all I know, he'll get a rematch. He'll actually win the belt back. I'm not counting that out. I really won't. It's going to be tough, though. It's definitely hard to get back to the point where you just were. But he has been one of my favorite people to talk to over the last several years. He mm-hmm. is uh, friendly, engaging. He He's not. Uh, some Sometimes people just feel like they're kind of doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, not him. He's always there. And he's a very busy guy. Mm-hmm. And he seems very down to earth. So easily likable guy. Um, and, and you should like this. We mentioned this before. Harry Potter fan. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a good guy. He's a, uh, he's a big guy. On and he's also training, uh, Jamal Murray, right? Yeah. To beat up Draymond Green. Yeah, probably. That's what, I think that's what the, the next matchup is going to be. Almost definitely. So I like that. I heard he's also, uh, training like, uh, uh a guy with some money, a little bit of money and, a and a social media platform. Oh, Zuck? <laughs> Me, Rob's favorite person. <laughs> Did you? Did you see? Yeah, that was right. Uh, did you did you see the clip of of Zuckerberg standing there as as Volkanovski's taking off like his his gear and stuff and handed it to teammates? And it looks like he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. It's like oh. Zuckerberg's like, Am I supposed to take this? And it's like, No, someone else takes it. He just seemed very like unsure what he's supposed yeah. to do with himself. It's like, dude, you have a billion dollars. Just stand there, all right? Yeah. You get to play UFC Fantasy Camp. <laughs> do it. Just just stand there and smile like a goof. All right, and enjoy your money. Go count your money later. And then, by the way, he did not stay in the corner. He went back and sat next to Hunter Campbell where he'd been. Mm. Uh, and his wife was there as well. Well, I mean, that was a tremendous seat. So. It was a decent seat. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> can you just imagine him being in the corner and just be like, you know, what I was thinking you should do is you probably want to try to throw a punch here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I can't do a good Zuckerberg impression. I have some good impressions. Uh, we talked about that before the show. You but I'll save them for off the show. Uh, he, he's zoned in or he's dialed in. Who? Oh. He's dialed in. Like, that's what his. When they're. In that movie, when they had their the headphones on, they're doing all their oh, right, yeah. and, and making you know Facebook. He's, like, he's dialed in. Yeah, I don't. I've only sh- I haven't seen that since I saw it in theaters. I should watch that again. Volk, you got to dial in. <laughs> that would be actually that'd be decent advice. <laughs> but he wasn't. He was dialed in. He won the first yeah. round, so it wouldn't work. <laughs> like Mark, what are you talking about? I'm doing. I'm doing it. Then I'm doing fine. Go and back he, to your seat. Go <laughs> seriously. Uh, but that's it. That's it for UFC 298. We're moving on to the next weekend where we have. Dual events for the first time this year, and the first time without a separate Bellator and a separate PFL. They will no longer be running on the same day anymore since they're controlled by the same organization. Mm. you got to think they're going to plan it better than that, right? They're not going to put Bellator on the same weekend as a PFL. They wouldn't do that. Never. At least not the same day. <laughs> Good God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope we've learned from that bad idea. Uh, but anyway, so it, it is, of course, leading with PFL versus Bellator, the first PFL PFLator event of the year. PFLator, uh, wow. It's, I, I mean, like it. what else do you call it? It's not Bellator. It's kind of right. its own thing now. It's, it's, it's not. It, I'm not saying it's going to be bad. Or I'm not saying it's going to be good. I'm just saying it's not Bellator proper anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, yeah. When it's it's like Spike Force was like the name for wow. uh for Bellator when they got over to Spike, mm-hmm. right? It's it's its own thing. It's different from what it used to be. But anyway, I I do. This is an interesting card, although it's lost a little bit uh, of its luster, unfortunately, as time has gone on. It is starting at three thirty p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. 
it's pay-per-view, sir. Yeah, we... Oh. I had no idea what's going to cost. Yeah. But I certainly wouldn't advocate for anyone to find one of those channels that people watch UFC on. Do not do that. That is bad. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Especially if you're listening to Couchside Judges there. <laughs> we need that sweet ad money. Uh, <laughs> main event here. This, this was supposed to be six title fights. It was promoted as six title fights. We're down to two. We just lost Patricio Pitbull against Tesos Pinedo, which was champion versus champion. I don't know if they're going to try and keep Pitbull on the card or what, but I mean, that was another fight that we lost that kind of stunk. We're left with Henan Fajera, the 2023 PFL champion, against Ryan Bader, the incumbent Bellator heavyweight champion. These are three-round fights, by the way, mm. mind you. Mm-hmm. And there are elbows. Bader mm-hmm. told me so. Okay. So Because that was one thing they were wondering. They were like, all right, can we throw elbows in this one? It's like, yeah, you can. So normal, normal, regular, real MMA fight, mm. which is good. That's a heavyweight. And then... <laughs> Weirdly enough, Impa Kasanganai, the 2023 PFL light heavyweight champion, will fight at middleweight against the 185-pound champion from Bellator, Johnny Eblen. Okay. So only one person is fighting a champion of their opposing weight class in that <laughs> weight class. Although I think a lot of people always looked at Impa Kasanganai and said, okay, this is probably somebody who realistically is better suited as a middleweight. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have a middleweight division in PFL. It's in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I imagine they're going to be trying to bring in some judges internationally. That's That tends to be the way things mm-hmm. go. I'm curious who will be making their way out to, uh, I guess it's in Riyadh, right? I would think. Yeah. Um, maybe friend of the show, Hadi. Yeah, maybe. He, maybe he's Hadi out He's be... out in that, uh, that neck of the woods, right? Bahrain. So. What do you think of these two fights, though? The top two? Eh, whatever. I, I'm, I'm much more, I like Johnny Eblen, and, and the Impa Kinsalganai story is kind of, Pretty awesome. Impa's Impa's um, been terrific to speak to. There's a couple times that I've interacted with him. I must say, so I am. I he's an easy to like guy. I, I've also talked with Johnny. Johnny's Johnny's uh, always interesting to talk to. I mean, I feel, I feel this is a big step up from last time he was at 85 with with like Joaquin Buckley, right? That the was infamous, the I infamous believe that was at 85. Yeah, because eventually he did go down to 170. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't Enziguri. It was close to it. But there was no leg caught. It was yes. It was off a of caught leg. Was it? Yeah. And he jumps up and kicks him in the face. A lot of time has passed, man. These, there's way too many events. Um, <laughs> there's too many of these. Things. Johnny Eblen's an enormous step up. I'm I'm expecting Johnny Eblen to keep his L here. I can understand that. Um, um, I guess we'll see. The thing that strikes me about the heavyweight fight is how how much more gigantic Fajera is than Ryan Bader. He's yeah. like a monster heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Which you would think, okay, maybe he's a little slow, but he's actually kind of athletic too. So it's like, where, where is the advantage for Ryan Bader other than experience, right? And wrestling. And wrestling. Very distinctly wrestling. We will see. I think it's an interesting fight. I actually kind of think it's interesting. It's that's all right. It's it's one of the first times in a while that Ryan Bader's fought somebody who's not 40 years old. So there's, <laughs> that's a good thing. There you go. 44, I should say, actually. <laughs> I think both of his last two fights were against 44-year-old men. Um, but hey, we'll see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think of the this? This is another weird fight here. They got Jason Jackson, the Bellator welterweight champion, going against former two-time Bell- PFL season winner at 170 pounds, Ray Cooper the third, who could not make 185 pounds his last time out, and they're trying to fight at 182 pounds. What are we doing here? Well, I guess I'm guessing Jackson's like, you know what? All right, because it was supposed to be, cut. It, it was supposed to be against uh, yeah. Magomelians. And he got hurt, yeah. so that you know that's the way it is. That was another fight we lost. 
Um, they never even bothered, by the way, to put together a Chris Cyborg against uh, Larissa Pacheco fight, which would have been, I think, possibly the most compelling fight on the entire card, even, to be perfectly honest. Like, there's fighters who I'm I'm more interested to fight individu- watch fight individually than those two, but I think that would have been a very compelling fight. And we just didn't even get it announced. It just didn't happen. It's almost like there's no interest, and I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't make any sense to me. No patchy mix was even wasn't on any iteration of this card. I imagine they're just gonna save patchy for uh for one of the PFLs because okay. now they're doing PFL every month. There will be a PFL event or excuse me Bellator. I keep yeah. saying PFL Bellator. A uh, there's gonna be a Bellator event next month in uh Dublin. Oh, not Dublin. Excuse me, Belfast, mm. the other island. Um, the northern part, in fact. I imagine there's probably gonna be one in April too. And who knows? Maybe Patchy's on that one. Hopefully, against somebody interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they'll just do Danny Sabatello just because. Hey, why not? <laughs> who knows? I had no idea. He wouldn't deserve it. He's not earned that fight, but uh, who knows? Um, yeah, that that's a weird fight. Bruno Capelosa against Vadim Nemkov, uh, former champions both. Um, Nemkov giving up the two hundred five belt to move up to uh heavyweight here he he was done with he was finished yeah i'm interested to see what he'll do i think this is a decent at least start to heavyweight i, th- I think we'll see how it goes tiago santos against yoel romero could either be really fun for a little while or it could be just <laughs> god awful we never know <laughs> you just we don't just know much again but it's only three rounds okay and weirdly enough, this could have been a middleweight fight in the UFC several years ago. And they're both <laughs> fighting at 205. This is my sleeper pick. This is actually my my pick for it's, I don't even know if it's a sleeper pick. It's probably everyone will think it too. Clay Collett against AJ McKee is actually gonna be fun. And that's not a sleeper pick at that's all. That's not. I think no, everybody should that look is. This. this is probably the most all right. It's not the most compelling fight of the whole weekend, but it's definitely on this card at 155 pounds. And then Aaron Pico going in there against Gabriel Alvarez Braga. Braga, I, if I recall, he was the one who was the runner-up at 145 pounds okay. in the PFL season. He also, again, if I'm thinking of the right person, I believe his father was murdered like last month. Jeez. Just an awful situation. Oh yeah, really terrible. Um, I believe I'm thinking of the right fighter in this case. I, I'll try to look that up as we go. Uh, what do you think of those fights, though, by the way? I'm okay with them. They're fine. I think... If I'm comparing the two cards, the top of the UFC is, is far better than the top of PFL Bellator, and the prelims or the undercard is far better PFL Bellator than the UFC's undercard. Sure. So. Uh, yeah, Diego Braga uh, was killed. That was, that's, uh, I believe that was his father, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Father of PFL finalist, Gabriel Braga. Mm. Very, very sad. Um. Yeah, I, I definitely, I like, I think this is easily a better card, just on the whole. Mm-hmm. Not a... Maybe, maybe not a pay-per-view worthy card because we lost so many good fights, but it is what it is. Um, but at least UFC Mexico has, has probably the two most compelling fights, right? Yeah. I think that's that, that's absolutely it. Their 10 o'clock main card, Eastern time, non-pay-per-view. And it's in Mexico City. They are not in the apex. This is a real card. There's going to be fans. There's going to be cardio issues. A lot of... For I, sure, I So think. somebody, I, I think... I think that Nolan King character you made up, I think he, oh, yeah? he retweeted what somebody said. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Nolan's great. Um, but he retweeted somebody who, I guess, looked up, where has everybody been training for mm. this fight? And a lot of them have been either at Elevation or in Mexico. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that then. So, yeah, I, th- I think most of the people have been there. Um, Brandon Moreno is lives Mexican. There, right? he, yeah. he lives in Mexico. He trains there. Brandon Royval. Trains at elevation in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I I think 
it actually might not be as bad as we think it might be. I wonder. I only wonder about Brian Ortega, actually. There's like who's fighting uh, Yaya Rodriguez for the second time. There's like nine other fights though. There's a lot That's of fights. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but a lot of these guys, same thing. Oh, same. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Whole a lot card? of a, a lot of them actually. They looked at the whole card. Well, they got the Mexico. It's not everybody. It's definitely not everybody. Right? But there was more than I thought there'd be. They have a PI in Mexico City, right? They do indeed. So then, I believe maybe I, I, I believe it open right. Of it. I think Raul Rosas Jr. actually might not be in Mexico as much. Well, I met him on Fremont Street. Mm-hmm. That was pretty awesome. That's not elevation, if I understand. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the, the Moreno-Royval uh, rematch. We get five yeah. rounds of this, potentially. Let's go. I don't know if it's going to make it five rounds. The last one was epic for like, was it? did that one make it out of the first round, or did it just get to the second round? I can't remember. Is that when Royval broke his rib? I think it might be. Yeah, I think it was a first round. That was a wild fight. Yeah. That was a real wild fight. Um, wonder which judges are going to make the trip down actually to Mexico because they do bring in some uh, mm-hmm. judges from the United States for this fight, uh, for these fights in Mexico. They have traditionally. Um, I want to say Sal has been there. Eric Cologne. Um, I think Derek Cleary too. I'm gonna it just this is just off the top of my head. I didn't actually look this up like I meant to, but um, those are those are names that sound like familiar from when I've looked at those cards in the past. Right. So imagine we'll see those guys, and then maybe some locals as well. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe some other judges. Maybe maybe some people coming up from Brazil. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I hope that we get some better luck with Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega too. Better than when we were there live for the first one I in Long Island. Yeah. I don't think I saw. I think. Um... I think my view was blocked by a very tall welterweight who shall uh, rename, rename yeah. nameless, but whose last name is Brown and first name is Randy. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, to be fair, you know what his nickname is, right? Rude boy. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, he I, told you all along. I kind of, I mean, I don't remember what my feelings were then, but I kind of agree. A lot of people were saying, listen, he was locked in the submission and he got injured. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a sub. No, that's a win. So, that's a real win. That, either way, it was still anticlimactic yeah. because, of, because of the very yeah. nature of the way it happened. Even even being legit, it was still, it kind of sucked the air out of it just because of yeah. the way it went down, right? Yeah, because it was it was a big fight at the time. Yeah. A lot of... A lot of uh... And the fight hadn't really gotten going either, too. It's like That's true, too. It just, there was no juice. You kind of want to see some more happen and it just didn't happen hopefully we get that right um and i'm actually gonna single out as my contested rounds candidate raul rosas jr against ricky tercios because ricky's gonna fight that crazy wild weird style that he fought that one time when he first started you just never you know never what know. you're getting with ricky tercios <laughs> and, and they're a band of weight there, there's a lot of splits of band weight i can see it happen <laughs> all right we'll be back again with this uh action-packed weekend on Monday. I think we have to do all of them for both events, my friend. Buckle in. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Take care, y'all.